Hello everyone, it's Precious Pioneer and welcome back to another episode of Precious the Foodie. Today I have a great episode for you all. I think that the topic of food is vast and oftentimes a little bit taboo and it impacts people differently and it can be from a means of creativity, poverty, manipulation, nutrition, health, but uncovering different perspectives can help those who feel isolated in the adversities that they face. So a preface to the show, if you feel inspired or if you're struggling with anything that's weighing you down and preventing you from your purpose, I suggest that you reach out to someone that you trust or talk to a professional. This is Breaking Free from a Food Disorder and Thriving in Purpose. Hi, welcome to Precious the Foodie Podcast, the show that will uncover stories through palettes and memories. My name is Precious Pioneer, your host. I'm a chef, a creative, and a foodie. I'm meeting people all over the world using food as a medium to highlight truths into bite-sized pieces. My name is Brittany Thompson, and I live in Utah currently. I grew up here as a non-LDS person, which is very interesting, growing up in the state of Utah. Um, I am in my mid-30s right now, and I have a ministry to women who to help them get freedom in their lives in whatever way they can, but specifically through renewing their minds and stepping into the life that I believe that God created every single one of us to live. Wow, that sounds really cool. Um, it sounds beautiful, I, I suppose. Um, how did you get started in something like that? Is that something that you knew that you wanted to become when you were growing up, or is it something that kind of evolved and changed over time? Actually, the the call of God on my life to help women get freedom started at the age of 12, which is really interesting. <laughs> Um, but it just it came at a time in my life when I didn't really know what it meant to not have freedom. And so I didn't really know what that would look like or how that would be. But at the age of 12, I knew that God was calling me to step into the life that I'm living right now. So it's really, really exciting to see that coming to fruition at this point. Right. So what kind, can you walk me through the steps or the mindset of something like that? Okay. So you're at the age of 12 and I don't know about anyone else, but when I was 12, I was focused on, I was a sporty kid. So I was always playing sports and sure I went to church on Sundays and things like that, but to have that intuition to help other women, like what sparked that segment, um, not just a general ministry, but then also specifically women, you know, what, what mindset were you into? kind of decide that path? Yeah, well, at 12 years old, obviously, I was into a lot of things, boys being one of them. But as a 12 year old, I just I don't know, I just knew that God had a call on my life that was bigger than anything that I could imagine. I, I, I grew up in a family where we were in full time Christian ministry. And I got to see very early on the hurt and the struggles that women deal with, the insecurity, the doubt, the fear, the pain. And I I have a heart for people that are in pain. I don't want people to be in pain. And so that really bloomed in me, blossomed in me something that was more than uh, I think the people around me at the age of 12, just knowing that like I knew who I was created to be. I knew what I was called for. And it, it just, it kind of grew from there. So started at 12. And of course, I had no idea what that meant. I just knew that that's how I was called to be and who I was called to be. And 
I really started at that same age. Also, the journey of not really liking myself, which doesn't make any sense. But I started really questioning who I was and and who I wanted to be as I was also getting this huge call on my life. And so I guess my story really starts there, the, the story of not of losing my identity, but also having this huge calling on my life and not knowing how that would come to fruition. And um, so throughout the years, it came through my my insecurity. I really lost my identity going through my life, going through these different struggles in my life where I didn't like who I was. I was different. I wasn't the same. I, I didn't like my body. I didn't like necessarily my personality. All of these different things that just add to the illusion that you're not good enough to step into that calling and that you're not really maybe it's not actually a calling on your life I don't know if that makes sense or if I'm but (laughs) (laughs) no I I definitely can see your point there it's a little counterintuitive and almost a little bit ironic that you have this calling to help other women who are suffering from you know different sort of adversities or self-confidence and believing that they are perfectly made but at the same but simultaneously questioning your own being. And it's like, I always call it almost like the boyfriend syndrome or whatever. When you get over a breakup, people always have the right things to say of like, there's more fish in the sea and all these different things. It's like you have all of the answers right in front of you, but actually applying it to your life is a completely different story because it almost has an emotional, personal touch to it. You know, it's like you feel different as if other people can't possibly experience uh, what you're also going through and how you feel. And so I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about, you said that you lost your identity and you weren't sure, you started not to like yourself and your own personality. And I wanted to know if you could recall, like what was your mindset and where did that sort of stem from? Because I feel like sometimes your environment um, really plays a role into certain mental conditions, you know, like obviously if you were in a super supportive group of friends who absolutely loved you, it's a completely different mindset than someone who maybe could have brought you down and made you question who you were, you know, so it, it really depends on where you're at. So I kind of wanted to know your background in that sense. Yeah. And I, for me, I think that that loss of identity, I mean, it happens so often in girls that age, you know, where you're coming into this place where you don't really feel comfortable in your body. You don't really feel like you can be yourself. You want to fit in. You want to be popular. And uh, for me, all of the, I felt like all of the odds were stacked against me in that place because I was, first of all, different <laughs> because I wasn't, I wasn't the predominant religion and growing up in rural Utah, that was a really big thing. I mean, I always tell people from the age of eight, when we moved to Utah, I didn't fit in quite the way that everyone else did because I wasn't part of the church. I wasn't, I was different. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I'm not a different person. I mean, I make friends really easily. I had lots of great friends, but I still never quite had those really good friends that you have from somebody who is maybe a common faith or you a common belief as you. And I, I got 
I got bullied a lot because of that, actually, when I was younger. And then on top of that, at the age of 12, I started maturing very early on. Um, and I looked like a woman when nobody else did. And I mm -hmm. felt so uncomfortable in my own body. I felt so uncomfortable in my own environment. And I, even though I knew who I was, I knew what my identity was, that, that struggle really came from, that loss of identity really came from not feeling accepted, not feeling loved in who I was, who I knew I was, what my identity was. Um, and so it's really, food was the thing that really led me down the path of completely losing my identity to the point mm -hmm. of I really didn't, I wanted so badly to fit in and to be accepted and to be loved that I didn't care what I had to change. And so that's really how I think I lost my identity in that that area. I learned really early on what it meant to manipulate manipulate your body using food. I always, I mean, from the time I was 12 years old, I dieted, tried to be smaller than I was, tried to tried to look different than my body would allow me to look. Right. Um, and I, I just because I was trying so so much to fit in and it be in that way to be accepted, I lost the parts of me that were really unique and special. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that you felt the need at that time to feel smaller? Um, was it the, why, like, why was that connotation to change your diet and stem from that to lose weight, to fit in and be skinny? What kind of was that like culture there that made you choose those actions, I suppose, you know? Do you know what I mean? I do, yeah. I think, well, if anybody anybody that has spent any time in Utah knows that it's very, it's very important to care for your body and the way that you look. And I didn't fit into what was accepted, I guess, at the time, or what I perceived as being accepted. And it just became this thing for me where – it was really all I thought about. Um, it became the thing that was just always going to be on my mind no matter what. And um, so right, I think- All-consuming. Yes. And that really became my identity is I can control who I am by my food. But by the time I got to college, I was very much on the uh, unhealthy side of what that really meant. Right. Um, not eating enough or... Yeah, not eating enough. I had, I, I don't know if it was a full blown eating disorder at that point, but in college, I was literally eating maybe one meal a day and then exercising twice a day to try to mm -hmm. keep the body that I had had, you know. And that is during college is when my first binging episode took place. And eventually, uh, so I don't know if, if you know anything about eating disorders, but for me, mm -hmm. having an eating disorder really became my identity. And right. it became, I, it, it was a way to control myself, but it ended up being the thing that got me so out of control in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, because I couldn't control it anymore. It was uh, my body would not allow me to control it in the same way that it always had. Um, so I started binging in college and eventually it became a full blown eating disorder called binge eating mm -hmm. disorder. And it's I mean, it literally whatever identity I had left, it stole away from me. Right. It's really interesting because usually I have 
I talk to people who are on the opposite side. We usually showcase the opposite side of um, overeating and obesity and things like that. But there is also the other side. And the thing with food is that there is food addiction and in that sense of like eating disorders and things like that, it's to fill in the void that you said of like love and comfort and acceptance and trying to manipulate your body to look and appear at some way that your body can't. You know, your body is supposed to give you the life that you live in, whether you're sedentary or active or whatever it is, you know. And in many ways, food parallels with other vices to kind of cope with certain addictions and things like that. And so I was going, I was paralleling it to like with alcohol, there's an addiction, a correlation kind of with that. You kind of may a whole bunch of small minor decisions that kind of lead up to the point of where you kind of lose control. It's a original way of stress relief, but accumulated, it kind of turns into habits. And I think that with something that what you went through, taking a couple of steps back and realizing where those habits originally stemmed from is kind of the key element there, I think, because sometimes I think in life, we take these paths and small detours that we kind of get to a point where we're not really sure how we got there to begin with. And so um, in that mindset that you were in, I was wondering when you first started your binging episode, are there certain things that triggered you or certain things that kind of caused you to lapse or to kind of detour from trying to control an element so much and then finally that system breaking and then falling into the opposite side? What kind of led to that transition? Yeah, I think for me, it was just this, (laughs) my body couldn't upkeep what I was doing. And I think at first it was a biological reaction. Um, It just, I had to have nutrition. And so the binging, the first binging episode, I remember being mortified. It was just this being totally out of control feeling. And like I was stuffing food in my face and I didn't want to be doing it. I liken Mm -hmm. it to like, I don't know if you've ever felt like this in your life, but that it's like you're standing on the outside of your own life looking in. Mm -hmm. And it was like that for me. I think that it was literally a biological reaction, like you need nutrition and this is how we're going to deal with it at first. And then eventually it really became this uh, habitual thing in my life where I would do really, really well or well, according to my own standards of eating healthy, exercising, being in the right mindset. And then all of a sudden, it would just be like, bam, fall off the wagon again. And it became like this coping mechanism for me, where I had set this thing up where I it was literally like I was starving my body, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would go through three months of famine, where I literally was not eating enough calories to sustain my body. And then for a month, I would just lose all control. Um, Right. And it was, I mean, it was awful. It was, it was being in this place of having no control over what I was doing. And I I literally thought I was going insane. (laughs) Is this something that you felt like you were going through alone? Is it something that you were embarrassed by and you hid? Or did you try to seek out help or resources or talk to friends about it? What was your experience like that on a social level, on a personal level? I was completely isolated. Um, I was so embarrassed by what was happening in my life. And I was this person who was always put together, 
always in control, like the person that people would go to for advice, the person that people would go to if they were having struggles. And Mm -hmm. to be in this place where I was totally and completely out of control, I mean, it was the only way to describe it is it was mortifying. It was it was like I was living outside of myself anytime it happened because my entire life was controlled. My entire life was was something that I was very proud of and I was very confident at that point. I mean, with not with my body. <laughs> that was not that was my insecurity at that point was my body, but everything else I felt like was great in my life. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was totally out of character for myself, or that's what I thought at the point, at that time. Right. And so what would, now that you know what you know now, what would you advise your younger self, I suppose, or any uh, young woman who's kind of going through that same sort of uh, timeline that you went on? Um, I, for me, I would say get help early. <laughs> I waited. I mean, I had an eating disorder from the time I was in college until just two and a half years ago. And I hid it. And I think that was the biggest thing was I knew that I couldn't fix it, but I didn't want anybody else to know. So I just kept living with it and hoping that I could fix it on my own. But the problem was, is that the more the more I gave into it, the more my eating disorder would disrupt my life, the more I would try to control it and the less control I actually had. I don't think that until I I came to the point where I could realize that I had a problem and I needed help and I needed help from somebody else because I couldn't fix it on my own, I don't think that I would be able to heal from it on my own. Um, If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, Why do you think that there's such a stigma for at least seeking out help? Or why do you think that the food disorders and things like that are um, more of the embarrassing side? Because sometimes I feel like um, from the outside looking in that it's not necessarily a minor problem because food sustains us and it it's really, really important as opposed to other vices that could be seen as far more troubling. You know, why do you think that young girls and other people have embarrassing tendencies to hide some of their actions or certain things like that or delay in getting help that they need? I think because we're hearing all the time in our culture specifically that we can control it, that we can, if we're just... If we just get healthy, if we just diet, if we just exercise and be like everybody else, I literally thought that there was something, I mean, there was something biologically wrong with me because I, I thought everybody else just had the best control in the entire world. Like I did not understand that my mind was messed up. I did not understand that I literally couldn't help myself at this point, like every part of my life was being controlled by by these impulses to binge. But I literally thought that people just had the best self control in the world. I didn't realize that like there are people in this world that don't struggle with food at all. Because Mm -hmm. my entire life I've been told, if you diet and exercise, then you can look like, you know, this celebrity or this celebrity. And if you don't do that, you're out of control. You have no self control, you have no motivation, and there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're being fed in our culture every single day. So I think that that also ups the stigma, especially for somebody struggling with an eating disorder where they're, they're consuming large quantities of food. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's interesting because our, our culture for the last 30 years has been so obsessed with dieting and exercise. And yet the number of, of overweight and obese people has gone up drastically. For sure. Um, and I think that there's a connection between those two things. Wow, that's actually a really interesting perspective. I've never heard Oh, I've never even thought of it from that standpoint. Wow. Uh, As a chef, you know, I think of things from a very microscopic food perspective, I suppose, and I stick to that narrative. But I think that's that's a very interesting correlation between the two that I've never really thought about. And and I honestly, do, I, I think that definitely leads to a lot of mental anguish for sure, because it meets this unrealistic standard that, you know, everybody's body's different. Nobody can reach that standard. And I think we have definitely made some um, small changes in the way that we approach these things because we realize that, you know, a lot of models and things that we grew up with on magazines and in social media, like they don't allow super skinny anorexic models anymore because it it shows young girls that, you know, like this is the new standard of beauty, which it just isn't, you know, and it also there's like regulations against certain photoshopping and things like that. You have to let people know that it's edited because there was a time where we focused on this uh, media sense of beauty for some celebrities and things like that. And we want to replicate it because it's popular and it's just this unmatched standard that no one can really reach unless you are starving yourself, which isn't the most sustainable and can't fulfill you throughout your entire life. And so we have these um, mental adversities that we kind of face. And I think your story is really empowering because I think that I, I try to capture stories like this because I feel like sometimes when we face very personal adversities and problems and traumas and things like that, we feel so alone and isolated in that incident. But I feel like the more that we talk about it, the more we find that other people are going through very similar things. And I feel like if you just had a friend or someone or anyone who was just like, hey, you know, like I am going through this too, you know, how can we get through this together? You know, I think that could really help and change a lot of people. And I I, I don't know, I just, I just love that. I love that aspect of your story. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, what's, what's so interesting is I, when I came to the point where I was desperate enough to actually seek out help, I mean, I was literally thinking about food probably 80% of my day. Like my thought life was just consumed by food. And I was I was trying so hard to control it that it was the only thing I could think about. And I didn't realize like the, the problem was actually in, in my brain, in my mind, in my thoughts, right. and, uh, which is one of the reasons why I, I, I mean, I wrote a book called God Minded and... Um, it really deals with the, the fact that our thoughts need to actually be managed and controlled. Um, and that's how I got freedom from my eating disorder was to realize like the thoughts that I was having about food and the thoughts that, that were controlling my life, I didn't have to actually believe them or act on them. And, right. and it's what I, that's what gave me freedom in my life is realizing like I could actually be in control of my life just by controlling my thoughts, not, not mm-hmm. necessarily controlling my actions although the actions followed but the thought life the the mind renewal the mindfulness in being in control of what I was actually thinking and believing is what gave me freedom that's beautiful I think 
I think it definitely goes into how your mind controls how you feel and what you believe and your perception of your reality. And so that's why there's like these trends and stuff that you see on the mirror of like positive sticky notes and positive affirmations and things like that. Because if you tell yourself things every single day over a long period of time, you grow to believe them even though they aren't true. That also warps our uh, perspective. Like you grew up thinking that there was something wrong with you, that you stuck out. There's all these other things that you had to fix about yourself to become normal, to seek that normalization, but not even that to maybe even surpass it and see yourself as beautiful, which, you know, no one should really have to go through because I think that everyone is born that way. You know, whatever shape our body is, is the way that it is. And, you know, I think just that it, it is sad that, you know, every teenage girl goes through that uh, mental uh, chat with themselves, I suppose, where you question your identity and you question who you're evolving and changing into. And I just wish that we could normalize the differences and uniqueness, unique qualities, I suppose, of everyone and be able to highlight those as like quality features, you know, and I think it could really lead to a lot less trauma. And your connection with food is very interesting because I've always grew up eating, loving food, but I was a very sporty kid. So I, I lived a different parallel and I didn't, I stuck out in many different ways, but I, I grew to understand early through food science and studying that it is a mental connotation that people try to fulfill a lot of their needs through food. And so that's just a very different relationship. And so I wanted to know, like from going from that relationship with that toxic relationship with food, how has it evolved and how do you implement it in your day-to-day life now? And then uh, also I want to know how you uh, use that new information in your life experiences to help your clients and other women uh, feel empowered through their body and through what they're eating. Yeah, I think um – so the way that I, I view food now is totally different. I, I always grew up believing that there was good foods and there was bad foods and that I should stay away from the bad foods, mainly carbs and fat and sugar and, you know, all those things. And that I should only eat the good good foods, uh, vegetables and fruits and lean meats and, and, you know, all those the different things that we're told and we believe. And I think for me, it, it's coming to a realization that food is just food. And it's okay, you know, it's okay to have pizza every once in a while. It's okay to enjoy ice cream. It's okay to have those things in your life because the food isn't the problem. My relationship with food is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so coming to this realization that I could have a non-relationship with food was mind-blowing for me. <laughs> Like I still enjoy food immensely. I mean, I enjoy food a lot. I enjoy going and and sitting down at a nice new restaurant and trying something on the menu and, you know, like just enjoying food. I enjoy food in the way that I think it was meant to be enjoyed at this point in my life. I obviously I try to I try to be conscious about how food affects my body now. But for me, there is no food that's off limits. There's no food that is bad. Um, There's just foods that I choose to eat because they make my body feel better. Good. Um, It's come to this place in my life where I I literally do not think about food unless I'm going to eat, you know, like it's, Mm -hmm. it doesn't consume my thought life anymore because I've come to realize the truth that food does not 
doesn't affect me the way that I hoped it would in the past, where it was food was my comfort, food was my solace, food was what I went to when I was happy, it was what I went to when I was sad. It was literally a relationship that I had with food. And when I realized for myself that food is not something to have a relationship with, people are things to have relationships with, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't need to have a relationship with an inanimate object object because there's people in my life that want to have a relationship with me. Mm -hmm. And I can run to God when I need solace and when I need comfort and when I need something more than what people can give me. But food is not that place. (laughs) That's been such a freeing reality in my life. I can Um, hear it. (laughs) And it's, it's interesting, because I would not say at this point, like, I love the body that I'm in, that my eating disorder wrecked my body. And I'm still trying to figure out the health issues that I have because of it. But I am neutral about my body. It's kind of the same way with food. I I love the, the concept of body neutrality. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, like, we don't really think about certain parts of our body, but other parts of our body we think about all the time. And mm-hmm. coming, coming to the place where I can just accept my body exactly the way it is and love myself the way that I am was so important, because I am living in a body that's bigger than I would necessarily like to be, but I can of still be okay with it. You know, I can still enjoy right. my life and use my body the way that it was created to to be used. Um, right. And so what what this really gave me the ability to do and to help my clients is to accept who they are, who they were created to be and allow mm-hmm. them to step fully into their calling and their purpose and live a life that's that's free. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. work with women with eating disorders, but there's some of them that do have food struggles. But I want every single woman to know the freedom that I feel because I got control of my mind. Mm-hmm. I got of the thing that was causing me so much pain in my life and realizing every single action that we take in our life comes from our thoughts. But every single thought that we have doesn't have to become an action. I mean, that was, that's what I try to teach my clients is we have the ability to control our thoughts. We have the ability to live free lives, even when there's things that we don't necessarily enjoy or like about our lives. We still have the ability to control it. Right. And I love that you made that really important distinction of how you can love the skin that you're in and you can be grateful for everything that we put our body through because we put it through a lot, through the sun, through the running, through work, through the stress, through everything. And it's one thing to really be grateful for everything that our body can do and maybe think that, okay, so I may not love the current stage that I am. What can I do to just be okay with that? You know, there's a different mindset in that and being okay with who you are and not being tied to what you look like. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but that's what I that's what I mean to to still understand the value that you have and not solely dependent on the way that your body is shaped. And I think there's a very important distinction there. And I really loved how you touched on how like your new relationship of with with food is just so exciting to me because one of the biggest things that I really advocate for is people always ask me, you know, how do I uh, diet or how do I eat healthier and all these different things. And I'm like, sure, like if you 
like if you think that dieting is going to work, then just try it and come back to me in a month and I'll show, I'll explain to you why it didn't. Um, but the biggest, the biggest thing is that it's not so much when you look at food, it's not, you can't tally up all the things that you can't eat. You should tally up and be happy about all the things that you can, which is everything. And one of the biggest things that I think Oprah said this once, I was reading one of her books and she said, you know, if you want to have a slice of chocolate cake, then have a slice of chocolate cake, you know, like it's not a big deal. And she's like, when when it comes to the second slice, just think about it. And if it's going to be there tomorrow, then just have a slice tomorrow and it's going to be okay, you know? So it's not a tally record of, of a strict diet of I can never eat this forever and I have to watch all my sugar, carbs, uh, fats, and all these different things. It's just finding a balance of what brings you joy. Eat what brings you joy, what makes your body feel good, what makes you happy, what brought a smile to your face, you know, when you had the best meal at this restaurant, you know? Food is so, at least to me, you know, I, I definitely have a relationship with food, <laughs> but I think that, you know, it's like, could be so much more depending on how you view it in your relationship with it. You know, it's not necessarily something that has to be red coated and can cause so much pain and anguish. And it does involve a lot of mental on how much you have to think about why and when you're consuming it. If you're consuming it to fill a void, then that's something to take a pause and realize what your actions, you know, that, that take a, a spot in your life. But I really loved how you explained your new relationship because I think that's something that I definitely can agree with, you know, that, you know, you have to just balance out what's best for your life and what's best for your body at the moment and kind of just keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I always advocate for, especially people who struggle with binging like I did, it's okay to have that that slice of chocolate cake, but I would never eat the whole cake anymore. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, it's gonna if it's going to be there, just, you know, save it for tomorrow. If nothing is off limits, there's no reason to stuff your face. So because I would have this mindset that would come up that would say, well, you know, I'm going to start eating right on Monday, so I better eat as much as I, I can today, mm-hmm. you know, like because I'm not going to eat chocolate cake anymore when Monday comes around and I'll never be able to have chocolate cake ever again, you know, like mm-hmm. this whole mindset. And that's just, that's unrealistic. It's not, it's not <laughs> possible because the next one that has a birthday, it's very likely they're going to have chocolate cake and you're probably going to have a slice. Right. But if you don't view food as something that you can't have, like if there's no restrictions on food, like I can have chocolate cake every single day if I want to, but I don't want that. Right. What I want is a slice of chocolate cake right now. And if if a week from now I want another slice of chocolate cake, I'll have another slice of chocolate cake. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. But for somebody who's in disordered eating, it seems like the end of the world. It's like it's like we have this part of our brain that lights up that says, "Well, this is the last time. You might you should probably eat as much as you can." You know, for somebody it's really 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 crazy the way that your brain functions inside of an eating disorder. It's that like life or death situation. Even though it's not, it's it's just food. But right. In your brain, it, it sees it as that. It sees it as, well, if I eat chocolate cake now, then I've totally messed up my diet. I might as well eat as much as I can and start over again on Monday. <laughs> exactly. And I've exactly. heard so many people say that also that don't have disordered eating necessarily. And I'm like, that's such a dangerous place for us to allow our food to have that much power over us, you mm-hmm. know? And that's what 
I don't want to ever get to that place in my life where something, where any item, any object, any person has that much power over me again. Mm -hmm. It's very manipulating because it's, like you said, it's always on your mind and you think about it when you're at work and you're like, okay, can I have this for lunch or what do I do about this? And then, oh, gee, I'm going to have to work out five times as much to make up for this. It's just like a very calculated mindset and it's on the front frame of your mind at all times and it's, it's frustrating and it's exhausting. So Brittany, something that I do with all of my guests on the show as we come to a close, if the listeners didn't have an opportunity to listen to anything that we've said thus far, what would you say for a mic drop moment, last couple of words, your two cents, your peace out, I'm leaving, you know, what would you have to say to either inspire them or words of encouragement or a life lesson that you've taken away? Oh, man, (laughs) because I have so many things that I love to tell people. Uh, I think probably the biggest thing that I want people to know is that you should never be living a life that is out of sync with your purpose. I think that every single one of us were created uh, with a purpose and a calling, especially, I mean, I believe in a God and I'm a very faith-filled person. And I think that so often we're so focused on accomplishing things in our life that we never fully live inside of our purpose, inside of that thing that just makes us who we are, you know, that that thing mm-hmm. that lights us up, that thing that, that gives us that joy and that freedom in our life that nothing else can. And I always try to take my clients to this place of what would happen if you decided today that your purpose was worth living for right now, not not in the future, not once you have all these things in control, not once you have everything under under control and in where they need to be, but living it right now, like what steps would you take today to live in that place of freedom and purpose? And I think like that is, I mean, that's what I'm all about is helping women find freedom and purpose in their lives. Because I think that there's way too many people in this world who are living on the outside of the life that they actually want to be living. I lived way too many years of my life in that place that I never want anybody else to live in that place, to live in that place of of being out of control in your own life. And so I would say finding your purpose and living your purpose is are two things that are so, so, so important in your life. It'll be the most important part of your life. And it doesn't really, it seems like it doesn't really have anything to do with what we talked about today, but it really has so much to do with that because because for most of my life, I lived in this place of being enslaved in my own mind mm-hmm. and living in this place where I was trying, grasping so hard for control and I didn't have control and it, it wrecked my life. I lived mm-hmm. in brokenness because I didn't know that I could live whole. I, th- I would say if you're in that place, just don't don't settle for that. Don't settle for less than what you were called for and what you were created for. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being a guest on the show. Um, Where can the listeners find you? I know that you have a book. Can you let them remind them what that was again too, please? Yes. So you can find me online. I have some really, really cool freebies for people that are looking to get control of their thought life and live a life of freedom and purpose. If you go to my website, which is www.brittanythompson.com, and sign up for my email list. You'll get updates from me and also get 
a really cool freebie to help you walk through that. And then my book can be found on Amazon. It's called God Minded, Living God Focused in a Me Focused World. And it really goes over everything um, that we talked about today. It shares my story of, of overcoming an eating disorder and being able to step into a life of freedom and purpose and what that can look like for you in your life. It doesn't specifically deal with eating disorders. It deals with um, anything that we feel like we've given too much control of in our life and to take back the control and, and live in the purpose and calling that we were made for. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest. It was so wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm glad that we were able to connect. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast. Keep up with the show on Instagram at Precious the Foodie. And don't forget to share the show with a friend or family member or whoever you think could benefit from listening. And don't forget to leave a review letting me know what you think wherever you're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, live life with love and love food with life. Bye guys. See you next time.